I want everyone to take a deep, deep inhalation. Hold it for 120 seconds and then exhale. Feel the stress of the week leave your body. Feel all the numbers with their wisdoms and messages. Feel those numbers coursing through your blood, your veins, your circulatory system. As your head feels lighter and lighter like a helium balloon, the little red balloon, a silent French movie that was shown to children in public libraries across the country in the 1970s, even though when you think back on it, it was kind of a horror movie about a zombie balloon chasing a little French boy, pestering him, shadowing him, haunting him. It was remade years later as the prestige horror drama called It Follows, but this time with people instead of balloons. My name, as always, is Kid Midas, the original Wave Rider. And I'm happy to see John on my computer laptop screen. Hey, David. Hi. My stomach is growling. Can you hear it? No, but there's a jackhammer outside my apartment. The... So, I mean, hopefully, they'll both sounds will cancel each other out. Have you not eaten today, John? I eat uh, an orange and oh. a banana. An orange and a banana. Who are you? Uh, um, <laughs> Tropicana Jim. Yeah. Oh, I'm on fire today. I'm on fire today. John, it's Tuesday. We're recording this on a Tuesday, and everyone knows what happens tonight. Joe Biden gives his third State of the Union speech in Washington, D.C. He'll tell us how the country is doing. The State of the Union, of course, is one of the grand gestures of American democracy. All the pomp and circumstance of yesteryear, coupled with the issues, controversies, and forward thinking of today. It truly is the best of both worlds. Past, present, and future united as one in a civic menage a trois, fucking and sucking, filling every hole as Biden says the State of the Union. John, what do you think is going to happen on the State of the Union tonight? I think it's just going to be the same old, same old. You know, the Democrats will stand. The Republicans won't stand. Um, you think he'll say anything about the balloon? Nah, he won't. Well, I wanted to ask you, if this was the golden age of Predict It, where we still had word markets and they had markets like, will... Joe Biden mentioned the word balloon during the State of the Union. I think balloon would be one of those markets. And I think I would, I think I would buy yes. I think he will say the word balloon. Oh, dude, you have you learned nothing? There's no way we can do that. We can do that now. I can promise you that there's no way he will say balloon. Now, if it was Trump, he'd say balloon 1500 times. Right. And he would be taunting China throughout the entire thing. China sent a red balloon, just like that childhood mm. movie I watched at the public it library. It wasn't red. It was white. You watched this, didn't you? Do you watch some no, of No, I'm talking about the movie. The movie I mentioned earlier, the red... Have you ever seen the children's movie, The Red yeah, Balloon? Yeah, yeah. But China didn't send a red balloon. I know they should have, though. That would have been good for red China and also to trigger these memories we have of watching the red balloon movie. But instead, it was a I white balloon. I don't have balloon. any memories of that. Wait. So you've ne- have, you, have you or have you not seen the movie, The Red Balloon? Well, I have no memory of it. Okay, you probably blocked it out because it's a very unsettling movie. Um, I think all children's culture from the 60s and 70s should be banned. I'm just going to say that and let's keep moving. 
Except for Free to Be You and Me. I was about to is, say, is, Free to Be You and Me. Which any no. record ever made. Yeah. So you're saying Trump would mention the balloon a lot, and you don't think Biden will mention the balloon. I'm going to write down on this index card I have before me the word balloon, and I'm going to put the word yes beside it, because I think Biden will mention the balloon. Uh, he could allude to it. He will not say the word balloon. You think he'll make a balloon allusion? It's possible. I'm not sure I would buy that either. I'm going to say he's actually going to say the word balloon, and I'm going to say, and this is going to be awful, I think he's going to do it in a joke. I think he's going to warm up the crowd with a balloon joke. You know what? You might be right, because if he does say it, I think that's the only way he says it, as a joke. He'll say, my fellow Americans, as you know, I have a birthday coming up, and I wanted some balloons. No, China, not those kinds of balloons, not your dirty spy balloons. <laughs> Everyone will stand and give them applause. That's pretty laugh. funny. That's yeah. a pretty good joke, right? Yeah, it is. It'll take out the presidential slide whistle <laughs> and give a little slide whistle solo. So you're a no on the word balloon tonight. Mm-hmm. Let me get throw another word at you. Deficit, the dumbest word. Whenever this word shows up, you are mm. sure to zone out. Will he say Deficit. Uh, no. Okay. John's a no on that. I'm going to say yes. He is going to mention the deficit. Hold on. I'm just taking notes here. Say in the union word markets. Will he say health care? Yes. Yes. You have to, right? Yep. Will he say entitlements? Uh, No. He would say it. He would talk about Social Security. He would say it in the context of this debt ceiling negotiation about Republicans wanting to cut entitlements. But I don't think he'll say entitlements, but I do think he'll say Social Security and Medicare. Yeah. Entitlements is a, is a Republican. Yeah, right. Exactly. Word. So Will he say se- death hold tax? On, hold on. Hold on. I'm doing okay, this long sorry. Social Security and Medicare. We both say he'll say yes. We both said yes to that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And what did you say for health care? Yeah. Of course. Will he say the word muscles? No. He could say, you know, when I took office, the economy was weak, but now we're strong again. Manufacturing is up. Unemployment is the lowest it's been since the late 1960s. And when it comes to when it comes to our productivity, the American worker has found his and her muscles again. Would that be a good sentence if he said that? Mm. Is that good speech writing? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And when yeah. it comes to productivity, the American worker has found his and her muscles again. Yeah. Why were we not speechwriters? Do you think that pays a lot of money, be a presidential speechwriter? Yeah. Really? Do you think it pays $500,000 a year? No. 200000 maybe. That's a good salary. At least. Yeah, yeah. That's that's good. When it comes to productivity, the American worker has found his and her muscles again. And then we would take our clipboard and run into the Oval Office and say, Mr. President, we think we found just the way for you to express this point. And he would read it and be like, boys, I like your work. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad we hired you guys. Mm-hmm. Do you think he'll say cars and trucks? Do you think he'll say the phrase cars and trucks? That's one of my favorite phrases. No. No? No. I'm going to say, I'm going to go out, I'm going to swing for the stars and say he will, he'll say it. He'll okay. be talking about electric vehicles and he'll say, the Inflation Reduction Act provided $26 billion to place electrical charging stations all over this country so that those of us with electrical cars and trucks can get all the juice we need. All right. Something like that. So I'm going to say yes, cars and trucks. Uh, Will he mention a city? By name? Absolutely. Yes. What city though? Memphis? 
That's a good one. Or will he like Detroit? He would refer to Detroit if he's talking about the automobile industry. I'm going to vote no on city and you say yes and we'll see who's right. I don't think he'll mention a city by name. I think he'll say – because I think he'll say uh, a young woman from Huntsville, Alabama telling some particular story. You're right. He will mention a city. And also it's a no-brainer. He'll say D.C. He'll say for too long that the division here in D.C. has kept us from working together. But I had a productive meeting with Kevin McCarthy the other day. And although we don't agree on everything, we did agree to work our best to blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Why did Trump of all the of all the things that Trump did, like he stopped going to the White House Correspondents Dinner, which was the best thing he ever did? Yeah. That, that he'll forever be a hero to me for that. Yeah. That was one norm that he violated. And I was like, oh, my God, yes. More violations like this, please. Why did Trump never skip a State of the Union? He should have skipped. A, he should have. He did every single one, didn't he? He gave four of them, didn't he? A son of a gun. Yeah. I mean, of course, he, he just loves to be able to sit up there and pontificate. I so, guess that's yeah. true. It's a huge audience and he's he's got the best stage setting. Yeah, that's true. I think he also gave a record number of uh, press conferences at some point. And then I think he stopped after a while. Yeah, I think he got but bored. But for a while, it. he was given one. <laughs> like he was given one every day during I mean, COVID. I would too. I it mean, was I would crazy. too. Like if you, if you have the power to announce, I'm going to have a press conference today and then hundreds of people show up and report on your every word. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be such a rush. And you can literally say whatever crazy shit you want and they'll write it down and say, the president said blah, 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 blah. You know, yeah. it's their yeah. literally their job to write down all the deranged bullshit you say. Yeah, There's no way I wouldn't be doing that 30 times a day. Yeah. And I would, you know, I'd be like, oh, and another thing. And then I would just start talking again. They would write it down the Washington Post banner headline. President David says blah, 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 you know. Other other sources are not convinced this is entirely true, and you know because they also have to couch it in that kind of language, you know. Right. What a rush! I think being a president is the ultimate rush. I hope Joe Biden's memoir is called "The Ultimate Rush: Colon <laughs> When I Was President." Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, it would. State of the Union. Are we done talking about the State of the Union? Yeah, yeah, we are. I know it's just such a. It feels so archaic, but I guess it's fun. Do you Nobody like pomp and circumstance? It. I never can tell with you. Do you like it? Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, it's a little exciting. The old P and C, as we say, the old P and C. Yeah. Are you a fan they... of the old P and C, John? Yeah, I'm a fan pissing of the... and crapping in the toilet. Okay. <laughs> John, you were so excited about this 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 Chinese um, weather balloon. Why don't you tell us what what happened there? Why am I alone in our friend group in terms of the excitement of this balloon? Is it because the balloon came to see me? And you a visit in North Carolina. Yeah. I mean, I'll admit I wasn't that excited uh, about the balloon at first. But once uh, I knew that it was coming to North Carolina – it, it got a little more intriguing, particularly because we have a lot of military bases here uh, and because I'm here. So um, I thought it was I thought it was very exciting. I'm 100 percent for the balloon being shot down. I love it. Uh, I think it should br- bring the entire country together. 
Um, I don't think there's anything more exciting. And, and pe- people are so mad. There's so many people that are mad about it on both sides. They're just like, what a waste of money. We, we wasted a $15 million Sidewinder missile when we could have. And then other people are like, we should have shot it down over Montana. It's just like, guys, they shot it down over Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, the most exciting place to shoot down a balloon. <laughs> right. It had the greatest audience of people who all filmed it and put it up on TikTok. Uh, and everyone was really excited and they were just, you know, chanting USA and down with China and whatever. And I'm 100% for it. I wish I had been able to witness it. Did the Chinese weather balloon deliberately fly over North Carolina? Was that part of its plan? I believe so. Yes. They believe that it had some sort of steering uh, capabilities. Um, flew very close to Fort Bragg. It flew over Asheville and Charlotte. Uh, not that it would get anything in either of those places, but clearly uh, being near Fort Bragg. Um, and then it 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 literally exited. It stayed in North Carolina and exited just south of Wilmington. And that's when it sort of drifted into the South Carolina airspace. So uh, to my knowledge, it never really went over land in South Carolina. It stayed in North Carolina the entire time, but it was shot down over the South Carolina coast. Hmm. So good for them. Good for South Carolina? Yeah. yeah. Or good for China? I don't know if any of it's good for China. It's probably good for China, you know. It's let me explain the first rule of international geopolitics in the 21st century is always good for China. Okay, all right. You think China didn't want this balloon to be shot down? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's great for China and I think it's great for America. I think it's just great for the rivalry. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> you mean- <laughs> it, it is. It's this a, is good a good thing for the rivalry. You're yeah. right. A rivalry unlike anything else. Right. A tradition unlike anything else. China versus America. The tradition continues. Yeah. Tonight, ESPN's live coverage of the Chinese weather balloon. Welcome to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We've got a hell of a matchup today. It's the citizens of South Carolina versus a Chinese weather balloon. It is good for the rivalry. It was good. And the F F-22 Raptor got its first air-to-air combat kill. I think it was the first air-to-air combat kill over... Uh, the continental United States that we know of, which is exciting. And uh, from what I've read, it's the highest altitude air-to-air combat kill ever in the world because they shot it at like 60,000 feet. Right, because the balloon was very high up in the sky, right? Yeah, yeah. It's really high. It wasn't like a balloon that you go in in wine country and go up in a hot air balloon and drink wine in a little basket. No, I don't think it was an easy um, target. Hmm. I, th- I, th- I think that it was sort of unknown. I don't think they have a lot of experience shooting missiles that high. So I read that throughout this whole thing, instead of coming together as a country in our in our hatred of Chinese weather balloons, you know, people like Donald Trump Jr. were saying, my father would have shot this balloon down as soon as he saw it. Why did they let it travel so far over the country or blah, 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 blah. And then I heard that there were like 50 Chinese weather balloons spying on us during the Trump administration and he didn't do anything about it. Is that true? Well, we're still learning. Um, I I would keep an open mind about what happened during the Trump administration. I think uh, there are. I'm not going to keep an open mind okay. about what well, happened. Well, I think during a lot of people probably won't. I am, and okay. I'm going to say that I think in hindsight, 
they have found that there were balloons that went over the United States during the Trump administration. I think they didn't have as much information then. They may have just gone over a small part of Florida or Texas, and that these uh, incursions did not necessarily make it up the chain of command. Whether they should have or not, I don't know, but they maybe didn't because they were worried about how Trump may have handled it, or maybe they weren't quite sure what they were dealing with. In this case, it was so blatant, so obvious. It was traveling for days. Uh, The media was involved. People were seeing it, um, that Biden's, you know, he, he was forced to do what he did. And I have no idea whether Trump would have shot it down. I mean, I, I, I'm certain Trump would have shot it down in this particular case. I don't know if he would have shot it down over land or over water, but the military clearly thought the best thing to do was to shoot it down over water. I think Trump would have said, is the balloon accepting passengers? I'll go to China. Yeah, you think? Is that a funny joke? Yeah. China obviously wanted us to discover the balloon, right? Well, I think they were probably trying to gather intelligence. Mm. Uh, they, they think they were trying to see how far they could push Biden to to see if he would react. And then I think they also knew on some level he may react and shoot it down. And then they could use that to their advantage back home saying, look at the United States shooting down our weather balloon. Look at them overreacting just because our weather balloon got lost and we wanted to know what the weather was like in the Midwest. Right. I, I really don't think it was a weather balloon. I don't know Wait, how much uh, intelligence gathering they were, were getting from it. But I do think when uh, another country invades your sovereign airspace, you probably have wow, to- Wow, listen to Mr. Oathkeeper over here. You probably have to to um, to shoot it down. Listen, man, and, when another country invades your <laughs> sovereign airspace, yeah, that's a sacred, I, that is a is. sacred bond between the land and the Lord above. Yeah. And for some Chinese communists to send over a so-called weather balloon into the into our sovereign airspace? Yeah. That's when I'm going to shoot it down myself. If Joe Biden won't shoot it down, I'll shoot it down. Yeah. With a missile that says let's go Brandon on it. <laughs> that's yeah. what you sound like, John. That was literally well, that's, what you sound that's like. That's how I felt. I, I know was you were loving excited. it. I was loving it. Was this a better balloon story than Balloon Boy? Yeah, Balloon Boy, you know, it wasn't real wow. in the end. So this was real. This was a real balloon. Hmm. Well, the Balloon Boy balloon was a real balloon. It's just that there was no boy inside. No, the there was no boy on it. That was an early example for our younger listeners of um, one family's need to go viral being so depraved that they pretended that their little boy flew away in an unattended hot air balloon. And it turns out that it was a huge hoax perpetrated by a family that just wanted to get on TV. Isn't that what happened? Yeah, it was one of the first big things to go viral on Twitter. Uh, and also it was that same year was- Wait, uh, it, the, that happened during the Twitter? I thought that happened in the 90s. No, that happened in 2009. What? Yeah. And oh my God, balloon, That was the same year that uh, the miracle on the Hudson that- uh, Sully. Sully landed. There's no way Yeah, that Balloon yeah. Boy and Sully Sullenberger were the same year. Balloon Boy had to have been 10 years before Sullenberger. No, I think you're thinking of baby Jessica or something. That also was fake. Oh, I'm going to go on my Lyft app and, and, and try to catch a ride on a Chinese weather balloon. I've had enough of it. I've had enough of it. So the Chinese weather balloon, it was 200 feet wide. Is that, ju- is that big? 
They kept saying it was the size of three buses, and I was like, that's the least helpful comparison right, you could make. Right, of course. Because it doesn't look anything like a bus, because buses are not enormous balls. Yeah, so... 200 feet wide is about the same width of like a 767. Again, I, I, I don't know. I, we, what we need in life are more huge orbs that we can compare size-wise. So everyone could say it's like the orb that Atlas holds in Rockefeller Center in New York City. Like that's a huge orb that I have, rough, I have a rough sense of how big that thing is, right? Atlas holding the earth in the roller skating rink. It's a New York thing. 200 feet. It's like 66 yards. Okay. I'm still, I still can't picture it. Yeah. I think that's how I would picture it best. Two thirds of a football field. Okay. That's the diameter of the balloon. So it's that big all the way around. Right. That's the best I can do. Yeah. That's a big balloon. It's pretty big, but I mean, it was 10 miles in the sky. Well, when they said three buses, were they talking about three buses end to end or three buses side to side? I think they were saying that it weighed. Oh, it weighed as much as, oh, so I was using their- Yeah, it had a payload of, uh, you know, cameras and uh, radar jamming equipment. No wonder I couldn't make sense of that comparison. It's a balloon that's as big as three buses, but really what they were saying was it's a balloon and its payload is as- big and bulky and heavy as three buses. Is that it? I believe so. Would you have sex on a Chinese spy balloon? Under it? In it. In it? Yeah. If there's like a little cot. No. Any final thoughts on the Chinese weather balloon? Nope. Nope. That was exciting. I I, I just think it's I just think it's exciting to see something like that happen. You didn't think that was exciting to see to see a plane going right at everyone's like it was just a balloon. I don't care what it was. They shot a missile at it and blew it up. That's exciting. I mean, I felt a little this is going to sound horrible. It's going to make me sound like I'm not a real patriot. I felt a little sad because I liked the idea of China having this silent floating thing that was over us and us all knowing about it and just being like, yeah, we don't care. We have nothing to hide. We're the best. Come check us out. There's no secrets here. Learn our lifestyle. Learn our yeah. ways. You guys will all love it. You'll all want to be Americans when you listen to our cell phone conversations about the cool shit we talk about on our phones. Yeah. You know, I just wish that they had. I wish that they had let it linger for a couple more days so that the balloon could have picked up the Grammy Awards, the telecast yeah. of the Grammy Awards, and seen all the wonderful people who won Harry Styles winning Record of the Year or whatever. They transmit that back to China. The Chinese intelligence agencies would be like, "Oh my gosh, we all have to defect to America. They're having so much fun over there in America. The Grammy Wars are celebrating the best of modern music. What do we celebrate? We don't celebrate shit, but fucking Chairman Mao or whatever, you know." Uh, I think they probably celebrate things. You think China has televised award ceremonies about the best music that they made? Uh, Honestly, hmm. I have no fucking idea. Do you think they do? I don't know. It's kind of a mystery, China. We need to send a balloon over to China. We should start spying on China. If China's going to spy on America, yeah, then you're America right. should spy on China. Seriously, you know what? How about that's that? not fair that they spy on us and that we don't spy on them. I love spying. I think every, I, I cannot get mad about countries no. spying on America. If it's just spying, let everyone spy. That's probably good. That's probably good for the world to have the maximum amount of spies everywhere, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm pro spying. Absolutely. absolutely. Knowledge is power. That's what Tony Robbins always said. Mm, Tony Robbins. Here we go. Now the yeah. conversation takes a more interesting turn. <laughs> yeah. 
Do you think Tony? Do you think Joe Biden? Do you think Tony Robbins is working with the Chinese? Do you think Joe Biden will mention Tony Robbins in the State of the Union speech tonight? If he does, will you pay me a hundred thousand dollars? (laughs) Yes, I will. Says a great American. (laughs) Oh my Uh, God! What if Joe Biden mentioned? What if Joe Biden mentioned Tony Robbins tonight? How excited would we be? He was a king. He was the king. In the 90s, he was the king. If he had become famous in the internet era... It would have been all over. He, he could have maybe become president. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He totally... He's so he, he's so physically tall. He's like six foot eight or something. Yeah. He's crazy. Yeah. He had like a pituitary condition. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. 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 He, talked, he talks about it at some point. Oh, I had every Tony Robbins CD. Yeah. Love Tony Robbins. Have no idea what Tony Robbins is like now, but the Tony, the idea of Tony Robbins in the nineties. Love. For those of you who don't know, Tony Robbins was a motivational speaker and, um, he was all over the place in the nineties and his personal power trained people to live without fear and walk across coals and fuck up their feet and stuff. Yeah. Did I ever tell you my story about hitchhiking where I was saved by a Tony Robbins acolyte? Oh No. I was in England and I was hitchhiking around England back in the 90s at the height of Tony Robbins' power. And I had miscalculated my itinerary. I was trying to hike from London to Scotland. Like yeah, basically I the remember whole... this 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 yeah. case, but I don't remember that. I don't remember the Tony Robbins. So there was one night where I had not found a ride and like the sun was setting. I was like, I'm going to have to sleep under a culvert or in a pipe or something. Mm-hmm. I was like on the side of the road. It was getting dark. <laughs> and a guy pulled over, a guy in a sedan. Yeah. He was like, hey, can I help you? And I was like, yeah, I just need to find a place to stay tonight, you know, blah, blah, blah. He was like, all right, let's go find a payphone. He, I don't think he had a cell phone. And we, and he found a local inn that could take me in for the night. And he was driving me to the inn. And I was like, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. And he was like, hey, we all, something like, he was like, we all got to do what we can to help each other, you know? And I was like, so stoked. This guy was such a nice guy. He was talking about like, yeah, I learned this from this um, guy. You're American. Have you ever heard of Tony Robbins? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, he was like, yeah, I'm a follower of his. Like he's changed my life. That's why I picked you up tonight. Cause he's all about like being a good person and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I have Tony Robbins to thank for this. And then he took me to this inn. It was just a little family run inn, and they, they were closing down for the night, but because the guy had called and like convinced them to open their doors to me, they're like, all right, we'll make an exception. And then they even like took me into the, there was a pub connected to the inn. And the pub had closed for the night, but they're like, all right, we'll make you something to eat because you're hungry and you're a college kid hitchhiking and blah, blah, blah. It's like one in the morning or whatever. And uh, it was a really fun night. We just hung out in the pub all night. I had tongue sandwich and and uh, drank a beer. It was really cool. And that's all because of Tony Robbins. And if Tony Robbins, if you're listening, I'll just say thank you. I know you're a controversial figure and you've done some, uh, definitely done some sketchy things in the past. And in a way, you represent everything that I most loathe about contemporary self-help culture. <laughs> On the other hand, you are indirectly responsible for a fond memory on a lonely night in merry old England. And so for that, Tony Robbins, I thank you. Our next door neighbor growing up had a license plate that said Firewalk on it. You don't think it was a Twin Peaks reference? No, no, it wasn't. He was a guy who walked on fire. Okay. He was one of those hot coal walkers. Yeah, I've never never done it. You've never walked on hot coals, bro? I know, right? Come on. All right, we'll do that at... um, at our live event in Gainesville, Florida on March 7th at Satchel's Pizza. Do you think if Satchel's has a coal, a coal oven pizza thing, we could take some of the coals and put them on the ground and do a fire walk? All right. 
We'll ask Satchels about that. Tuesday, March 7th, Gainesville, Florida, Satchels Pizza 20th anniversary. John and I will be there doing a live episode of Election Profit Makers, a motivational presentation unlike anything you've ever heard. It's time to claim your personal power. Manifest your dreams for wealth, security, health, and happiness. All our secrets and tips and tricks of the trade will be revealed as we help you become the best you you can be. There will be sword swallowing, coal fire walking, and levitating. Courtesy of Kid Midas and Long John Silver, that's March 7th in Gainesville, Florida. We hope to see you there. John, let's take a quick break. Hi there, friends. It's John Kimball from Election Profit Makers. As you all know, the last couple of years have been pretty difficult. We've had coups, mega flus, and Chinese spy balloons. Weather balloons, but it's, it's it's a weather balloon, but go on. Oh, okay. In these unpredictable times, I was relieved to find that some things have never been simpler, like ordering high-quality curling gear and apparel from broomfitters.com. Whether you're a seasoned club pro looking for some fresh drip or a newcomer yeeting granite stones for the very first time, broomfitters.com has you covered. Broomfitters.com. Good curling gear. Friends, your ears do not deceive you. You have just heard an advertisement for a curling gear supplier. Election Profit Makers is thrilled to be surely the first political podcast to be sponsored by an online supplier of curling gear. And yes, that's that's curling as in the famous winter Olympic sport. You think Pod Save America has has curling gear advertisers? They're over there fucking around with Simply Safe and Birchbox and dog food by mail or whatever the fuck they're doing over there. Yeah. And and also, also they have the gall, these Pod Save America dudes. <laughs> you know what? If you ever listen to Pod Save America and they're doing their ads, they always make a big show of like kind of like yeah, going yeah. a little meta with the ads and being a little snarky about it. Like, oh, it says here we have to give a personal experience. Like, if you like do the ad or don't like like. Take their money, <laughs> like they're trying to have it both ways because they're like showing that they're too cool for the ads because they're kind of breaking the rules with the ad read and kind of teasing the ad company about giving them a dorky script. Well, then don't read the ad if you're so punk rock. Who are you, Steve Albini? Come on. Yeah, we would never. We always respect and honor our advertisers, especially because we got one that's a fucking curling gear supplier. I'm going to hold that over the heads of Potsafe America until the day I die, until my dying breath. They could never. No. Your favorite podcast hosted by former Obama speechwriters could never. They're like, oh, and then and the, the one ad they won't fuck around with is Simply Safe because Simply Safe is like their big main sponsor. Simply Safe so, seems like such a reactionary product. It's just like, what is it? It's like a, it's like a home safety thing. Like, oh, in these I'm, trying times, keep the hordes away from you by yeah. installing Simply Safe. Then all of a sudden, when they're hawking Simply Safe, they get all serious. All of a sudden, oh. they don't fuck around with Simply Safe. They're like, "Yeah, I installed Simply Safe. I feel so much safer now." Shut up! You're probably the richest dude on your block. You're fine. You don't. That's live in a why scary you need it. If you're the richest dude on your block, I guess block. right. Yeah, they might. Yeah. They might break in and steal all your signed Obama memorabilia or whatever you have. Fucking. <laughs> no lie detected. Let me say this to any potential advertisers on this podcast. We will always treat your ads with 100% respect if we agree to read the ad. 
Right. We're not gonna we're not gonna goof off and joke about oh they say in the script now that we're supposed to say blah 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 blah. No, we respect your product. We crave your money, and we'll do the best we can. Right. John, time for a UNC sports update. What do you got, buddy? Hey, you know, it wasn't a it wasn't a great week. Uh, UNC went over to Cameron Indoor. It was a 259th meeting of the Battle of the Blues, and Duke came away victorious with a 63 to 57 victory. It's uh, Duke's first win at Cameron Indoor in three years, so good for them, and not good for me. The end. Yeah, UNC is now on the bubble and and is uh, potentially not going to make the NCAA tournament. I think they still probably will. But how uh, did UNC go from being so good and exciting last year to so frustrating this year? It's the same team except for one guy. What's okay. the difference? All right, last year's team was just as frustrating. Uh, last year's team, yes, there was the one guy. Brady Manick was a great three-point shooter, and this year's team does not have that. This year's team, however, even though it's lost eight games already, it's lost them by an average of five points. If you look back to last year's team, yes, they did beat Duke twice. Yes, they went to the national championship game, but they also lost a lot of games. And the games that they lost, they lost by an average of 16 points. Hmm. So... I think this team has been a little bit unlucky. Two of this team's losses have been without their best player as well. So that's no excuse. That's not saying Carolina should make the NCAA tournament because, you know, luck is part of the deal. Um, but it's just a way of, of sort of explaining the difference uh, between last year and this year. All right. Casey writes in. Oh, Casey was disappointed. I was pretty dismayed when I heard John say that Katie Porter rubs some people the wrong way on this week's podcast, but I was glad that the two of you immediately interrogated whether that term has sexist roots. It absolutely does. And in fact, it's gendered in a very particular way. It's often used to describe women who are not behaving according to the societal ideal for women. That is, women who are ambitious outspoken, authoritative, etc. So think of Elizabeth Warren, Hillary Clinton, Kamala Harris, Amy Klobuchar, Katie Porter, and so on. Women who rub people the wrong way are also usually resisting the cultural expectation for women by not bending over backward to appear sexually attractive. Hmm. The women of the right are very aware that the way to survive in that ecosystem is by complying with the expectation to be attractive to men. Look at people like Carrie Lake, Kaylee McEnany, Hope Hicks, and every Fox News personality. Plenty of people will give you reasons why they don't like those women, but I don't think you're likely to hear them say, she just rubs me the wrong way. Finally, it was interesting to me that the first example that came to David's mind of a man who rubs people the wrong way was Pete Buttigieg, who also defies the cultural norm for his gender by being attracted to men. Of course, this isn't true for 100% of the uses of this phrase, but overall, it is a very strong coding for quote, this woman is behaving like a man and also not trying hard enough to please me, end quote. And of course, both men and women have this subconscious bias. 
Thanks for engaging in this topic, and please keep going post-predicted. I think this is all true. My question would be, when someone says of a woman, I don't know, there's just something about her, she rubs me the wrong way. Are they being polite, as in they know what the issue is, but they're too polite to say it, or they don't want to admit that they're offended that, for instance, Katie Porter isn't trying to seduce them or be attractive to them? Or is it they don't have enough self-knowledge and self-awareness to understand that that's the issue? And so because they can't articulate it, they sincerely say, I don't know, man, there's just something about her. She just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. Probably depends on the scenario, I guess. But you understand that's what I mean? Question. Like, Yeah. I just want to, for the record, say that, that Katie Porter, I am not one of these people uh, who, she doesn't rub me the wrong way, but I can tell you from... The people I follow on my timeline, which generally are fairly progressive, a number of them are put off by Katie Porter for some reason. And it it may very well be that they're sexist. Um, right, right. You know, it well, was – go ahead. I was going to say someone on the Election Profit Makers Discord mentioned that the classic male politician who rubs people the wrong way is Ted Cruz. Now, Ted Cruz doesn't rub me the wrong way because I know enough about him to absolutely hate him with every fiber of my being, but he does have that sort of oily anti-charisma where if you don't even know about his policies, I could see you saying like, I don't under, I don't, that guy, like, I don't even know what his positions are, but when I look at him, there's just something about him that rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. Doesn't he seem to have that sort of weird... He comes across as a phony. Yeah, he's so insincere. See, that's so another thing. But Katie Porter doesn't come across as insincere. Right. I think there's different... I think you can be rubbed the wrong way in multiple yeah, ways. Yeah, I think this is know? a complicated... I think there's a lot of different dynamics here. And I think there's certain people like Kamala Harris is a very attractive uh, woman, if I can say that. Uh, and she does rub a lot of people the wrong way. Right. As does AOC. So I don't I don't know. I don't think anyone would say that AOC rubs them the wrong way. I think she's too polarizing. Oh, okay. I don't know. I, that's see, what I think. It's too it's um unless someone like my parent. I could see someone from an older generation, like maybe my parents would say that because they don't understand the youth, you know? I'm not sure. Yeah. I'll ask my parents next time I see them. I think we need to read a lot more. And maybe go I'm not to therapy. Shit, I'm watching videos on TikTok. I'll watch a video on TikTok about it. I have to say, my days of TikTok are coming to a close. I can tell that algorithm is broken, and I know they're going to make it illegal. And that Chinese weather balloon that was flying over America, when I saw it, I was like, "Please be sending us more new, fresh TikTok videos," because I've seen the same fuckers over and over again on TikTok. Please, please dump a whole, do a leaflet drop of all the new URLs for the hottest new TikTok videos. Come on, China. Come on, China. John, let's take a quick break. Hey, friends. Do you like adventure? Have you ever had a hankering to hit the road by yourself on some dubious mode of transport and see what lies out there in the big world? If you're interested in adventure, the open road, chance encounters, and the inner revelations of the traveler, then vicarious thrills await you in a memoir written by one of our listeners, Rocco Versace. The memoir is called That Hidden Road. It chronicles Rocco's cross-country solo bicycle ride from San Diego to North Carolina in the summer of 202010. Friends, he biked all the way across the United States all by his lonesome. He was 42 years old. 
His journey was both outward across America's less traveled roads where he met some very interesting characters and inward. There are some heavier issues like divorce, aging parents, and cancer that he works through along the way. Trigger warning, grown folks content. John, that hidden road, does that phrase mean anything to you? That hidden road? Uh, No. My guide and I came on that hidden road to make our way back into the bright world. And with no care for any rest, we climbed. He first, I following, until I saw through a round opening some of those things of beauty heaven bears. It was from there that we emerged to see once more the stars. Does that sound familiar, John? Uh, no, I don't. Is that uh, a poem? It's from the Inferno, which was written by <gasps> Dante, who was Italian, just like Rocco Versace. Amazing. Isn't that interesting? You can get That Hidden Road wherever books are sold. But if you're not interested in buying it from Amazon or some other corporate entity, you can use bookshop.org, an online retailer that supports independent bookstores and small presses. Ruben wrote back, this is Ruben in Amsterdam. He says, thanks for reading my letter out loud on the podcast. It made a fantastic end to my work day. Though I respect David's reluctance to share his urination position of choice, I can't help but take issue with John's reasoning for standing up to pee. Listeners, you'll have to remember that last week Ruben wrote in and said, John, you should sit down to pee because it empties your bladder more. And John said, I spend all day sitting down. Standing up to pee is the only exercise I get. Ruben writes, surely John can agree that the exercise he needs to get comes from walking to the toilet, not standing at the toilet. Sitting down would require additional movements that would burn more calories and would therefore make more sense from an exercise point of view. The additional movements would be, one, turning around 180 degrees upon arrival at the toilet in order to sit down, two, squatting down to sit, three, standing up again, And four, another two 180-degree turns to enable flushing and walking away to wash your hands. For a busy man like John, sitting on the toilet is also a good opportunity to relax a bit and maybe play some GeoGuessr. I think it's worth trying, says Ruben. John, what do you think? Is it time to upgrade your exercise game by sitting down on the toilet when you urinate? Now, Ruben is is absolutely correct. And... uh... This week, I have have been sitting down. Um, <gasps> Is that why you look a little skinnier? Yeah, that's, You're that's burning that those calories. Be- that may be why. Uh, Ruben is absolutely correct in that it is more exercise. You know, you got to get your squats in and that it, it definitely is more relaxing and it's probably more sanitary in a sense. You know, uh, there's less splashing. In fact, Um, John, let me continue because we got another email. Sorry to interrupt, but this speaks right to what you're talking about. We got an email from Chris. Chris says, Dear EPM, thank you for the urination content. I thought when a letter was cited about sitting while peeing, it would go in the direction of Sitzpinkeln. What's that you say? Let me tell you. I lived in Berlin for a year around 2011, and somewhere in my hazy recollections of that time is one about Sitzpinkeln. Someone in a shared flat had posted a sign about it in the bathroom saying that sitting while peeing, which is again Sitzpinkeln, is about respect. My friend Rob and I interpreted this to mean that penis-having people should sit while peeing because it keeps bathrooms cleaner. It's less splash going around for people who don't have penises or otherwise inclined to sit on the toilet when urinating. 
We extrapolated a whole series of lessons about the German psyche from our one dim memory, but never bothered to verify if it was true. That makes total sense to me. I've never heard about it. I've never read anything about it. I just never really gotten into this much urination content before. But one of the things... One of the other things, just just to pivot from urination to bowel movements. Uh, no, no, sorry. Okay, so we'll, we'll cut this out. But I just want to say this to you, okay, David. Okay, okay. I just want to say this to you that I found it very interesting that when I would sit down, that I in NP, mm-hmm. I would suddenly have the urge to take a bowel movement that I had no clue was there. Oh. I might leave that in because that's really interesting. And I thought I thought it was interesting. That is interesting. But uh, rest assured to our listeners, we will never discuss BMs again. That was just one final little detour. Yeah. We're done with this topic now. Yeah. I don't want to lose any more listeners because all we do is talk about So you, do you, you stand, right? I'm not talking about it anymore, John. The subject is closed. Do you stand? The subject is closed. Nick writes in, recently I was watching the 1987 classic film Fatal Attraction with Glenn Close, and I noticed something very interesting. I like to pay attention to who works as the art director on each film I see, since that is the industry I work in. And for this particular film, the art director was a man with the curious name Mel Bourne. The reason I was so shocked is that that name is spelled identically to the famous Australian city of Melbourne, except with a space inserted into it to make it an aesthetically pleasing first and surname. This got me wondering, are there any famous American cities that would make a pleasant name for a person were an inner word space inserted somewhere? This question immediately hits a wall, though, since by turn of fate, many famous cities were named after pe- people with common English or French or German place name suffixes added. For example, Charlestown, South Carolina could conceivably be split into the name Charlestown, but I contend that this is not as aesthetically pure since the name Charlestown is already a combination of the name of King Charles II and just the suffix town added to it. Hmm, yeah. I have to say this left me stumped. Can you or any of your listeners help think of an American city that would fit this amazing phenomenon? Before we continue, John, and before you present your list, I would like to let everybody know that for the record, Melbourne, who does have a Wikipedia page and who was an American production designer and art director who died at age 79 in the year 2003, was actually born Melvin Bornstein. And so Mel Born was not his birth name. So let's keep that in mind going forward. Now, John, you have generated a list. Wait, did you think it was really his birth name? I thought it, it's pretty darn close, though. Yeah, no, it is. It is. But it also just seemed, a, it seemed too clever by half. You know, it felt like a professional name. You know how sometimes, John, if you watch a pornographic movie, the actors and actresses are not, those names that they have are not actually their names they were born mm. with. Okay. Example. Uh, let's, let's keep it old school, man. Christy Canyon. Let's take it back to the 80s and 90s. Okay. OG, Christy Canyon. N- not Not her birth name. And then there's all other sorts of names that you can let your imagine run wild with. And so when I saw Melbourne, I was like, this feels a little like a porno name. This feels like this right. is not his real name. Yeah. 
So it's actually Melvin Bornstein. Now it is, he was close. You're right. But he was probably, it was probably so close that he was like, if I'm going to make a go of it as a production designer in Hollywood, I'm going to tighten up my name and make it something catchy that people will remember. Now, having said all that, John, why don't you read your insane list of names that you hey, came look, up with? This is the list. These are that the ca- worst names. I know, but this is what I came up with. And then I went okay. back and did more research and okay. I couldn't come up with anything better than this. So, I mean, we have Rich Mond. Mm, okay. How about Winston Salem? That feels like cheating to me for some reason. And I think that's because Winston Salem is already too distinct. It could be Winston Salem. Oh, but what I'm saying is the source material, Winston Salem, is already two names. And I think what the listener wants is a one name city. Where all you right. Put all right. Okay. How about Hugh Ston? Mm, we're still uh, not quite. Davin Port. Davenport works. I could see that. Fran Cisco. Nah. Francisco doesn't quite work, and also you're leaving out San, and I think you have to have the whole city in there. Al Bukerke. Yeah, that's definitely legit, because that's a real normal last name, Bukerke. You don't know any Bukerkes? My name is Alvin Bukerke, but you can call me Albuquerque. Yeah. And no, I wasn't born in New Mexico. Come on. I don't know about that one. Okay. I put in Caltech for you. That's fine, because that's my old nickname, but it doesn't really work. Albany. So we take New York's capital of Albany and we put a space in it and we get Al Bainey. Uh, I'm going to give that a six out of 10. I give that one a six out of 10. Um, Annapolis. Or yes. how about Annapolis? Annapolis. That's it. Eight out of 10. Okay. Phil Adelphia. That's Next. Terrible. That's a Chad two out of 10. No one's last name is Adelphia. Anuga. What about a you know new what it guy? could be? It could be Phil A. Delphia. Oh, that, that's great. Philip Astor Delphia. That almost seems like a real name, doesn't it? A fancy yeah. man. Guy who travels with his own white napkin. So even if he's at a grimy pizzeria, he can still dab his yeah. lips with a nice linen napkin. Yeah. What uh, was the next one? Chad Anuga. Chad A. Nuga. That doesn't work because ch- it's chat anuga. I know. So I, I yeah, just work with no. me. Zero uh, out of ten. Sorry, Bill bro. Ing. Z. Say that one again. Uh, Bill Ings. Bill Ings, I would give a six out of ten. I could almost see that being a real name. Uh, Boston. No. I don't. No, it doesn't. No. Mm. Sorry. Uh, that's it. That's all I could. I think. Up I with. think the best one you came up with is Davenport. I could totally. I can see that yeah. guy. He's cool, Davin. Right. Yeah. You're at a bar. Hey, when's the last time anyone heard from Davin? And they'd be like, "Oh, didn't you hear? He joined the Merchant Marines. He thought it would be funny because his last name is Port. So he's like, I'll just be a guy who goes around from port to port, and everyone will laugh and be like, Davin was always the coolest.' And then we raise our glasses and we say to Davin. Then I'll be right back. Sudden, I'll be right back. Sorry. All right. Uh, John's got to go feed his dog or something. I'll keep telling my story about Davenport. So we all raise our glasses and, and make a toast to Davin, the free-spirited guy that we always loved hanging out with in high school. And then right as we raise our toast, what comes on the jukebox? Now, 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 now. I was bad to the bone. Now, 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 now. Since the day I've been born. And it's Davin. He showed up right at the moment we were toasting him. And he put bad to the bone on the jukebox. And he walks over and he's like, hey, 
Did someone say my name, Davenport? And he's back in town after being in the Merchant Marines. They say, what have you been up to? He's like, oh, I've just been out in the ocean tracking Chinese weather balloons. And we're like, Davin, you are forever the coolest dude. And then he leaves again because we're not cool enough to hang out with him. But he did pay for our round of drinks, which was very decent of him. We would expect nothing less from Mr. Davenport. Oh, I just thought of another one. Cal Gary. Cal Gary is great. Put that on the list. Uh, Vancouver? I, uh, six out of ten. Something about Coover doesn't convince me as a surname. Right. Coover. You know? Um, Mia Me. Yes, ten out of ten. Okay. Mia Me. That's a good name. All right. John, at the risk of alienating our listeners, I'm going to cut this segment short. Uh, okay. Oh, I want to say one thing. Uh, we might not do an episode next week because I have jury duty. And depending on how that goes, I might not be available to record an episode. So if you don't hear from us next week, don't panic. We'll make a little announcement. But I have to do my civic duty. If I'm called, I have to serve. Jury duty. The ultimate rush. Fred. Ricksburg. Okay, John, why don't you read the credits? Hey. Hello. EPM is an independent production. Uh, let me try <laughs> no again. shit, I never would have guessed. In All a right, Election Property Makers is an independent production. You can support <laughs> us on Patreon at patreon.com slash election profit makers. Send your election prediction questions to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. And if you want to advertise with us, please send an email to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Do not rate and review us. Keep it a secret. We don't need it. Yeah, we, we don't need it. We don't want it. Keep yeah. it a secret. This is just between you and us. Tell your friends to to listen. That's what we need. We don't we don't want oh any authentic word of mouth marketing. Yeah, I see what you're saying. That's what we need. We're not going to let the algorithms make or break us. No, this is all about human to human connection. Authentically recommend election profit makers to your closest friends. They'll never stop thanking you. Uh, goodbye, Lynn. Come. No. Isn't Lynn... It's not L-I-N, though. L-I-N, like Lin-Manuel Miranda? But Colne is is not going to fool anybody as a last name. C-O-L-N? That's not going to work. Fargo.